Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Dr. Dan Elton, a data scientist at the Mass General Brigham Data Science Office. He's also a fellow at the Foresight Institute and previously served as a staff scientist at the National Institutes of Health. He joins me on today's show to talk about promising AI use cases in healthcare, including those in radiology, compliance, and medical record generation, search, and summarization. Later, we both discuss how foundational models will transform how AI is used in radiology. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Dan, thanks so much for being with us on the program today. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be uh, joining you here. It's great to have you on the podcast platform. I, I know you've spoken uh, a lot through many popular chambers of the internet, including an independent TED Talk about a lot of these topics. So it's great to have you on the show to speak, especially to our our audience and really gear an answer maybe uh, in the towards at least a, an executive audience that has to deal with these changes day in and day out. But what are you currently seeing uh, as the biggest challenges currently facing healthcare professionals, just given the current state of adoption uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence through this sector? Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, AI isn't actually being used very much right now. Right. I think people have a perception that doctors are using AI based on you know how it's being integrated into a lot of other domains. But the reality is that medicine's a very slow moving field when it comes to adopting new technologies. It is being used a little bit in radiology, but that's about it. As far as general challenges, I think a lot of doctors are are looking to use AI mainly because they're just so overworked. They're hoping that the AI can help them uh, streamline certain certain processes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, basically the pain points that we're seeing. And so often, you know, especially even where we're prioritizing patient care and you know focusing so much on on the patient pain points, you know, right down to the parking spots, uh, you know, which which definitely affects patient experience, even if they're not tracked in a way that I think consolidates that for a lot of healthcare systems. But let's talk about at least where the radiologists and the healthcare providers themselves are feeling the pain points. Is this, in mm -hmm. terms of maximizing their time with patients, is this what we hear about in terms of the tech debt, or at least the administrative tasks, or is this a little bit more involved in their day-to-day? -day? Yeah, well, I have the most experience with radiology since you know I worked for a radiologist at the National Institutes of Health for two and a half years. And then I've worked another two and a half years at Mass General Brigham, helping them deploy AI for radiology. And like I said, the doctors are really overworked. The radiologists, they, they really can only spend about 10 to 15 minutes on average per study. Right. And yeah, so there's a lot of uh, data in these images. They, they, aren't they aren't really surfacing. So that's one point. And then... You know, the complexity of the images, the number of images is constantly increasing as we get better s scanners and things. So it's um, it's hard for them to keep up. And uh, there's another issue that's been around for a while now, which is the transition to electronic health records actually, you know, what has created a lot more work because now they have to enter things into the EHR. And that's created a whole new class of people that are called medical scribes that that just do all that work. 
but even with the scribes it's it's still quite a burden yeah and uh, i i think in two ways here we're finding that these were the f- basically the front lines of healthcare where we would see you know different forms of ai land and expand that was had been predicted for a while albeit not everything about those predictions were accurate uh, hate to keep beating up jeff hinton for this but there's that old adage he said many years ago about our need to train radiologists into the future and i'm sure from your background in radiology you're well aware that we don't need to stop training them right now in fact we need to keep yeah. training them uh now yeah. and especially uh but i think on the other half of it it's it's this dynamic of tech depth that i was bringing up before also that this comes also downwind of uh, a regulatory framework that is in many ways def- definitely a strong presence some might call oppressive all at the same time you know the, the hipaa and electronic health records as you were alluding to before they are primarily designed to facilitate payment not treatment and that's even been something of a consideration across the system that it's got to compensate kind of for for that bias already ingrained in the systems uh wondering if 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 you know just as we uh juxtapose these two problems because there really are kind of a yin and yang situation right between radiology where we know we need this expertise we know these folks need help uh and the best way to do it is to provide them with technologies that can make the most of the 10 minutes they have to provide that study extend that the equivalent of that 10 minutes into 10 hours by looking at the same data in more deeply and uh and with machine learning uh, i also appreciate the distinction that you brought up before in terms of your first answer and in, in that it's not really ai and i know we don't talk enough about this on the show in fact uh, oh even over the last few months i've, I've remarked to, to long-time listeners that rolling stone is making more nuanced uh distinctions about the kinds of ai they're presenting in their context than we are on this program, if only because for the ends of many uh, industrial workflows, I'm sure you might agree, Dan, uh, as we go even higher level beyond healthcare and, and talk about, um, you know, how these technologies proliferate between sectors, you know, there might not need to be as much of a designation between what gets called uh, by folks who have been in this industry for a long time as quote unquote real AI versus machine learning versus uh, ro- robotic process automation. Those are considered adjacent technologies is not full or complete AI. Uh, we tend to think of them as first generation. Uh, I, I know I, I, I'm coloring in some nuance here, even from your first answer, but I'm wondering if we can kind of pull these two areas apart, at least where we see the technologies come into play. And I know we're also setting ourselves up for this new second generation of tools we're seeing with yeah. uh, generative AI. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think where we've done this in the past on the show is we talk about those uh, earlier, maybe some of them aren't technically AI capabilities, machine learning, you know, Robotic processing automation is just first generation or deterministic mm. technologies. You yep. Tell us where they're impacting radiology workflows, and then we'll talk a little bit about FDA regulations and the, the first thing. generation or just AI. First generation, yes. First or or generation. In, even if we want to do those okay. designations between yeah. well, real and, and not real AI. Go you ahead. mentioned a lot of things there. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about a couple applications that kind of dovetail into what you said. One is with the the billing process. There's uh, there's actually been a very successful company called Coda Metrics, and they have a solution automatically figuring out the best billing codes to use. Interesting. Based on the you know EHR records and the doctor's notes and stuff, and that's something that's actually been deployed uh, at Mass General Brigham quite successfully. They've had a quite a large cost savings 
And uh, they've also had a, a large reduction in the number of denials from insurance companies. So it's been working really well. So that's one application. I think that's mostly, uh, you know, kind of old school AI and uh, kind of uh, special sure. purpose code. But but uh, yeah, and then the other thing is that's looking a little bit more into the future is a lot of what scribes do today could conceivably be automated by a large language model like ChatGPT. Yeah. And uh, Microsoft uh, has has bought and acquired Nuanced Communications, which is a very old company that's really dominant in the medical transcription space. So they are working on uh, basically taking the large language models and developing them together with you know speech to text models to really automate a lot of the transcription and uh, filling out the EHR forms. So those are two really really powerful applications that I think we're going to see more of and and they don't even necessarily require FDA approval either because they're not really touching on any risk situations with diagnosis or anything. Sure. It, it really seems on the, uh, on that on that administrative uh, administrative side of the HIPAA line. And I think those are two really compelling use cases that I think a lot of folks listening can, at home can see the compliance potential because uh, as they're performing those tasks, they can double check all of the paperwork involved in all of um, all of their processes to ensure mm-hmm. uh, that they're compliant. And we see strong evidence, you know, especially in in these kinds of workflows that a lot of automated systems with the proper training and expert feedback are a lot more reliable than just manual or human-based processes for at least remaining compliant. Going back to your radiology example, and I'm wondering in terms of, you know, just the problem you presented of, you know, radiologists not having enough time to do the yep. study that that they need. That, that seems like the obvious application there in terms yeah. of machine learning, in terms of computer vision, something that can scan and an image and yeah, take yeah. a deeper sense of data. But I'm wondering if you if you wanted to expand from there just in, in terms of the AI applications and those Yeah, I, I can I can give a couple high level points which might be interesting. Um there's been about a thousand AI software products that have been approved by the FDA. Most of those are just in the past few years. But the reality is that a lot of those are not very commercially successful because the benefit or uh uh, what's the word? Um, sort of value proposition for the the hospital is not very very big because they only do a single thing. Like some of these may right. they diagnose a single disease. That's that's really cool, but it it may not warrant a hospital paying for it, right? And then installing it and everything. So what really what's going on is there's just a few AI systems which I've seen f- have found widespread use, mostly for triage. So basically taking a quick look at a medical scan and determining if there's something that needs urgent attention. So for instance, a brain hemorrhage yeah, or something like that. A lot of hospitals are deploying AI for that purpose, but, but less for the traditional diagnosis. However, in the future, I really think that large uh, multimodal models are going to be very powerful because they can diagnose many different conditions and they can basically serve as a second reader or a sort of backup reader of the, the image. And so I think that's where things are headed in the future, not having hundreds of single purpose models, but just having a monolithic kind of multimodal model. Mm. 
Yeah, I think and, that. Uh, yeah, and, and that differs yeah. slightly, I think, from from uh, a, a couple guests that we've had on the show. Of course, this space is evolving, but um, yeah, I w- I'm wondering if you can put a finer definition on multimodal models. What what resemblance that bears to kind of the uh, foundational and bespoke mm-hmm. kind of um, idea that we had before, as we were just getting into this marketplace. Obviously, yeah. this is clearing up, and I know you're at the well, cutting edge of this stuff. Things have changed a lot the last year. Of course, um, I actually wrote an article about a year and a half ago saying that AI for radiology was overhyped. But after ChatGPT came out and after GPT-4 came out with the vision capabilities, I really had to change my thinking. And so what and I think a lot of other people have had to change their thinking as well. And and now what people are interested in is having the ability to take a foundation model like GPT-4 and then fine tune it on hospital data. Hospitals are realizing that their data, such especially like imaging data and patient doctor notes and stuff, that's extremely valuable. And so if uh, hospitals could take a foundation model and then train it and fine tune it on all of that data, it, it would result in something that's really, really useful, I think. And so um, there are uh, companies like Microsoft and NVIDIA that are working on um, services that would that would allow hospitals to do this kind of fine tuning yeah and i think yeah. I, I think the uh, an episode of the show we had uh a ceo of centaur labs uh eric duhame who talked a lot about w- w- really from a model development stab- standpoint what do you need uh to have the expert uh training involved i think that's that's going to be universal though right especially as healthcare systems no matter how bespoke their their uh their back end is their it uh, systems are they're going to need to have some uh degree of expert feedback in order to really leverage any kind of of generative mm-hmm. ai use case just given the compliance considerations right yeah so uh, i don't know how much you want to get into the fda but it's one of the interesting things i want i have is that if a hospital is using is has developed their own ai system and and they are just using that in-house the general consensus right now is that does not require FDA approval because that is local practice. The FDA is not allowed to regulate the practice of medicine. And so if if a hospital has developed their own AI system and they're just using it internally, that's sort of like their local practice. And the FDA right. really doesn't have control over that. It's only if the hospital wanted to start selling it to others that the F- FDA approval would be required. So that's really interesting. And that's actually a bit of a loophole whereby hospitals could start using um, very powerful general purpose AI like GPT-4 sure. without FDA approval. Now, whether that status, this status quo will continue, it's hard to say. Sure. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting sort of loophole right now. But the thing about that is that if a hospital is going to deploy their own version of like GPT-4 and they're not getting FDA approval, they have to do all their own due diligence and they have to really make sure it's working, right? Right, right, right. And um, especially if they're going to put it into some kind of role where it's helping with diagnosis or something that's has some risk associated with it. And uh, so that's why I've written that, you know, hospitals really need um, data scientists and they need they need to create new departments almost to to validate their AI and how they're using AI. 
Absolutely. And and just in terms of, you know, maybe just for the folks out there who are seeing the generative AI use cases, their healthcare leaders themselves at their own organizations, they know their data teams are a little bit separate, or at least that their um, AI adoption pilots are, are, you know, maybe more on the mature side. They're early in their digital transformation, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're seeing those, those generative AI use cases out there uh what, what's a good way in terms of even winning that executive buy-in to get you know the two sides to start talking and at least facilitating mm. kind of the groundwork where that expert feedback can start getting into the models necessary to really leverage generative ai use cases yeah it it really you know it's it's a little bit different in, in different fields of medicine is sure. one thing I, I could point out um radiology is sort of the easiest right now the easiest to place where you can deploy ai because it's it's everything has been digitized um we're just talking about using images and text and and basically taking that and existing data and feeding it into an ai in other areas um there's going to be some work that probably need to be done um a lot more work so for instance pathology in that in in those departments the, the images, uh, they're, they're, they may not even have digital images. They may just be using old school light microscopes. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, same thing for, you know, your, 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 your doctor's clinic or sure. um, room where they're, where they're doing uh, physical exams. Uh, those rooms may not be equipped with the, te- the technology needed to integrate AI. So there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, it'll be uh, a bit longer of a process than than many may may think. <laughs> right, and I think I, I think certain parts of the sector are farther along than others for various reasons that we could have another two podcasts about. But I, I think we're going to have to save that for next time that you're on. Dan, really appreciate this high level overview, at least of of where we're seeing the challenges in the sector, and really juxtaposing what we're seeing in radiology versus um, you know yep. in more administrative tasks. I think this is really illuminating for folks vis a vis the technology. Thanks so much for being with us this week. Yeah, thanks a lot. My pleasure. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to point folks in the direction of a couple of our previous healthcare-oriented podcasts that had some crossover with the conversation I just had with Dan today. Among them is the August 31st, 2023 episode of the AI and Business Podcast with Centaur Lab CEO Eric Duhame titled Overcoming Healthcare Challenges with Generative AI and Deep Learning, talking about the expert feedback and the infrastructure necessary necessary to leverage generative AI use cases in healthcare uh, around the, I want to say, 16-minute mark of today's show. And I want you to take that time code with a grain of salt because I'm eyeballing this based on the time code of when exactly this was said in my audio editing software suite right now and me estimating where that's going to end up after this audio goes through edits uh, and everything else. But around the 16-minute mark, I brought this up uh, on today's show with Dan Elton, and he talked a lot about uh, the loopholes between local practices and FDA approval that will need to go into expert feedback needed for 
safely deploying generative AI use cases across the healthcare space. Very, very interesting stuff. I very much recommend listening to both episodes in tandem just between the points they had there. On behalf of Daniel, though, uh, that's our CEO and head of research, Daniel Fagella, as well as the rest of the team here at Emerge. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast.